Hello, everybody. Welcome to the There Will Be Dungeons bonus show. Uh, always good to have you people listening to us early because you support us over there. Thank you so much for your support at therewillbedungeons.com. If you're hearing this two weeks late or a week late, that's because you're not supporting us over there. You want to get this early? Great way to do it. We're happy to give it to everyone eventually, but get it a week early at therewillbedungeons.com. The whole crew is here. We're about to answer your questions. Uh, Kristen, you have a list. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Bo, first up, as a DM... I, and this is the sender, not me personally, liberally steal and try to give credit where due from other DMs. They are a huge influence on me creating a more entertaining and compelling game for my players, yourself included. Are there any DMs who have influenced how you run your games or whose handling of certain elements you have adopted? Um, I'm going to say as a DM, you should never share your secrets. <laughs> really this is uh, there like are, a... there are well i mean for your players when they're my players are present so i don't want them looking up my sources and having a clue as to what's there it isn't because you know attribution and credit's great and all that kind of stuff but yeah they're they're great content creators out there and if you find someone you like you should there's definitely you know it definitely all doesn't come up from within and uh yeah well it's interesting because i've sampled around a bit and i think i feel like you are kind of your own deal like in in and it's great because i it makes there will be dungeons have its own voice in a very real way um it doesn't seem like you're you're not really cribbing from anyone well yeah, and that's sort of the the trouble a little bit like i know early on when we were starting i was sampling I was watching Critical Role. And yeah, great. Sure, but I feel like on some subliminal level, the stuff I sort of—at least this works for me—the stuff I ingest in a given week or two might very consciously or subconsciously end up in the game. We had all the Game of Thrones stuff that was conscious, yeah. you know. But like <laughs> stuff, stuff that's prescient in my mind will work its way into my creative process, and so I'm loath to really like consume that content for fear that because we're doing a bit of a production and I do desire to have a unique experience. That's something else that I'm taking in works its way in there. So a lot of what I tend to watch tend to be D and D is kind of like this thing where like you can just sit there for hours and talk about it. Right. You can't really talk for hours about the mechanics of super Mario bros, but like D and D it's like, you know, and there are great channels out there and you, you find them and find one you like, then, that's great also just your friends but yes mostly i steal from everywhere man like i think everyone does oh yeah no everyone's iterating sure technically i'm stealing from the monster manual (laughs) i'm coming up with their stuff like you literally can't be like everything's original from my brain there's also that takes a lot of time to do so yes there are a lot of great content out there dm's guild is great even if you're perusing like like the way normally I'd take like an adventure module or some sort of content is I flip through it and I'm just like, oh, there's an idea I like and I'll just steal that, right? So, right. yeah. If you're looking for sources, maybe DM me on Twitter privately if you really want to know. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to reveal like I have some neat little books on different kinds of things. You never know what's going to come up and I don't want to give away my sources for the players. Not because I'm selfishly hoarding it, just because it. it's always a little bit of like, you know, even in today's session, I'm pretty sure John knows, like, has looked at the monster stat block for the thing that attacked you guys today, because you seem to be like... I don't don't know what it is. Okay, well, you gave me a sense of that, and there's always a little twinge of disappointment where I'm like, oh, they're going to know exactly how to to deal with it. So I'm always mindful to try and, you know, it's just, it's like a magician keeping their secrets close. It's like, if you want to know, you can find out, but 
Right. I'm not going to reveal the secrets necessarily. It's Hopefully interesting. By the way, you said you can't argue for hours about the mechanics of Super Mario Brothers, but I could easily sit down and argue why Canadians say Mario and we say Mario. I could do that for days. That's Whatever. a whole podcast series. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I seek Mario, understanding. Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I think maybe we're wrong. Maybe you were right the whole time. That's possible. Ask an Italian. Whatever they say is probably the correct pronunciation. All right. Fair enough. All right. Next one is for Scott. Does Nash have a tiny human baby arm on his back in dragon form? Or is it a tiny dragon baby arm slash claw? Or is there no arm at all? Um, I had assumed a small vestigial uh, clawed, you know, like like a, like an extra growth on a wing of a, of, of a dragon. So looking like a little dragon wing. That's what I would have assumed, but we've never had to use it or look at it in context, so I, I guess it's never been truly established. But in my head canon, it's no longer a human baby hand. It's a it's a dragon claw slash half wing little thing back there. That doesn't do anything. I mean, it doesn't it's not gonna help with like aerodynamics or it doesn't help me fly better or any of that. It's just a shitty little you know, like like a human tail. We're not supposed to have those, right? So it'd be like that. <laughs> <laughs> unless Bo has, unless Bo knows something I don't about how that hand works, I think that's. What I mean, it's shape shifting. So if you said you shape shifted and it wasn't there, I'd be fine with it. Either way is fine. Okay, it would seem it weird though to have a little baby hand on on a dragon back, but I mean, it's weird on a human too. So <laughs> I, yeah, I'm really so. An argument. <laughs> but it gives your rider something to hold on to, I guess. It does, and it also gave me. <laughs> You, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's like a good point. Predator style. Is yeah, like, get your hand up like that. Uh, yeah. But I, I, uh, uh, what else I going to say about that? Um, I forgot. Oh, ever since Pod's demise, um, I think of that hand more fondly than people probably think because it's as close as I've got to this companionship that she was. And even though I've got, you know, a, a wife at home who's great with child, and all of that because I, you know, we travel a lot for our work. <laughs> I, uh, I need a little companionship. So I got this little, <laughs> I got this little hand up there, you know, and it's a nice, I don't know. It's comforting in this weird way. It's like pod, but not pod. No, no, no. It's weird. Where did the hand come from? It was, was that a frog hemoth? The, the super frog hemoth. Yeah. Uh, was it called super or mega frog hemoth? I think it's super. I don't remember. Super was it mega? I don't know. Super. Okay. Yeah. That was one that was poked out on pixie blush. <laughs> Super Mario Froggymouth. Got it. Yeah. John, I have to ask, if the library, and I think this is from the inverse thing, if the library only takes more knowledge as payment for entry, how do they make the coin they need to sustain, let alone pay Murgut? I will gladly accept, don't worry about it as an answer, but if you do have it figured out, a fellow GM is curious. Uh, basically, everybody at the library are followers of Zelganeth. Basically, they're pursuers of knowledge, so it's a very monk-type lifestyle. They have dormitories there. They take care of each other. They know that it's known that a you know they provide. So people will sometimes bring gifts, but they kind of self-sustain. Uh, Murgat uh, does not follow Zelganeth and therefore does not respect um, the library tradition. But he has a happy little home, and they feed him, and so he is more than happy to continue to watch the door for people and is very loyal to them. So that's, that's you, his interest. In Murgat's voice, say that would be an ecumenical manner, matter. 
that would be a what? <laughs> Ac- ec- ecumenical matter. Ecumenical. You know. Ac- no. Ac- no. I won't say it. I just watched Door. I just watched Door. <laughs> he is the best. He is the best ancillary kill, character. I want to kill Stanley so John can roll a Noel in this campaign and do that. Aww. It's so it's good. Hilarious. It really it's, is good. Like it's st- He sticks with you so hard. Like that guy, That is one of my favorite ancillary characters any of you have brought to the table. He's real good. Yeah, Margaret's great. I even offered him a job, and he said no. He's just so stubborn. Yeah, he just wants to watch the door. He has a job he really likes. Yeah, I really respect his tenacity. Yeah, he, and he robbed you of five gold. Right, he got five he gold. He didn't out really of you. rob me. He just didn't get. He doesn't get transactions. That's <laughs> he doesn't understand. He did, what's painfully clear is he doesn't understand how a transaction works. So I can't <laughs> fault him for that. Cute. And Kyle, does Spores have any strong personal opinions or goals, or is he like a human dog, happy to join in whatever? Uh, he's a so he's a druid of rot, basically, in that everything must rot so there is new growth. So it's a balance thing. He would destroy something if it was out of balance. He would help something survive if it increased the balance of that world. And those are his goals: maintain balance. Otherwise, he's a he's a happy, free Roman spirit with no shoes. And I mm-hmm. did sort of take some level of agency away from Kyle. I feel kind of bad about it because I was preparing the adventure for these two, and I was like, ah, oh, we'll have Spores and Lealta doing something, making the assumption that Spores went with them to continue this quest, which I don't think was necessarily a certainty at the end of the last adventure. So, but anyway, he's with them for now. We'll see if he stays. He Kyle stays, and I can yeah. talk about that should the day ever come. Yeah. There we go. And then, Kristen, are you particularly fond of the heavens and hells angle, Tiefling and Asimar, or did it just sort of land that way? I really have always enjoyed it. I like that balance, and I like having characters where you have to, you're kind of forced to balance the good and the evil because, you know, people aren't all one thing. And I don't buy into that whole paladin BS where they're 100% righteous. I think it's bullshit. 100% 100% bullshit, and I hate it when characters don't have anything to balance out. So that's why I always like playing with that. What happens when one side of you is absolutely good, but the other side is a dark Batman whose parents were murdered or something? Mm. Classic D&D style. Oh, yeah. So you just, you always want to take it to heaven. Exactly. Goody, goody two shoes. <laughs> like, there's got to be something wrong with them. Exactly. I don't buy it. That's why I don't like Lucio. There's there, he's too pure. <laughs> like An- Anduin works because his innocence leads to a lot of trouble. It's it's his downfall as well as something really noble about him. But Lucio come on. Just too happy all the time. You don't trust it. You don't trust it. I mean No, it, no. It, I in real life it's people who who are not only that, but then are also they they have some stand where they somebody else is they do it at the expense of somebody else, whether it's a lifestyle oh. or it's a choice or whatever. And I never trust it, never ever freaking trust it. And it doesn't matter how much they say or how long they've been saying it. If there's a dude who gets up every week and bashes on gays and drugs, I guarantee you there's a future where we will find him in a hotel room with a gay prostitute and a bag of drugs. Because it always happens. Don't trust them. Right? Don't trust them, ever. And so in D&D context, it's fun 
I I mean my my thing with not trusting anything with Nash is you know kind of a joke at this point, but it's a similar thing. Like I don't think anything in this world is 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 doing us any favors. I trust the team and my character trusts the team, but only after we've had these experience together. And even then, he'll take umbrage with Stanley or something because you know trust is a very low commodity. It's like water in this world; nobody has it. Yeah. No, that's very true. I didn't mean to take it that far into the dark zone there, but that's where his brain comes from. Just don't trust anybody. They're all going to get you. (laughs) There's no coming back. Yeah. All right. And then, John, um, you asked this. Uh, Yeah, I had a question this week. This was a great question. Topically, I think this works really well. So this is for Bo from someone named Revendon in the Discord. <laughs> um, I don't know what the rules on players asking questions is, but I'll get the ball rolling this month for Bo. Your campaign has an interesting focus on babies. Nash has a pregnant <laughs> wife and a baby arm. Hope has been pressured to have an heir. And Varel was told about and pushed towards a mating as well as a, as a tank-grown child. Is this just outside influence sneaking in? Are you trying to explore an often overlooked part of people's lives in D&D or any other reasons that you can share? Hmm. Is it often overlooked in D&D? I mean, I, I guess so. I don't know. I, I don't know how often. The, but, one. You know, yeah. I would, taking setting aside the Fury Road aspect for a second, you know, fantasy, medieval stuff is always about sons and daughters, you know, kings yeah. and queens. Family is important. People don't live as long, and carrying on the line is always a a major thread of story. And it's also taps into <clears throat> narrative that is more uh, what's the word for it? Just more eternal or everlasting, right? Like these things, nothing, nothing happens in a bubble. The reason you're doing things is for the betterment of your future generations. It is to carry on the line or to carry on power. It is to work in spite of your parents who are the most influential people, you know, within that form your personality. So I just feel like all that stuff matters to every character all the time. But it doesn't mean every D&D game has to be like that. It's just a bunch of dudes and ladies swinging swords and slinging spells. But but at the end, but, but know, I, I, I want to so. back this up uh, a little bit and say that I think you're 100% right. And also I was having this discussion with my daughter the other day and we were trying to think of why just about every Pixar film works and why people fall in love with them and why they freak out about them, why they get super stoked. And our conclusion was, and I really believe this, every single one of them has some aspect to it that is a familial aspect, something to do with family. Mm. And it matters because everybody's got one, even if you don't have one and you have to adopt one or someone adopted you or you only like your friends and your parents sucked, but they're your new family, whatever it is, Everybody can relate to that one aspect of humanity. And I think that relatability is important to your story. And it actually works in our case. I think a lot of that characterization has made these characters more interesting and less two-dimensional than they could be if they were, you know, without some of those ties and those connections and that kind of emotional, um, you know, back and forth. So I personally, I applaud that choice as something in this campaign and others that do it because I think it adds something that everybody can relate to. And they're not also they're also not super easy. They're not like, oh, look at the perfect relationship Nash has at home. It doesn't work that way. He's got a plant penis, and, and that and that's only in a good day. Like it, it's oh, jacked up. Good. It's, Angela, she's super patient with you. She's very like, patient. Never, 
and he's never it, says an untoward word or gives you a heart lets you be nash right but she but you have really lucked out i mean your relationship's great <laughs> you basically made kim is what you did You're like by it's the a way. shit relationship come on bro yeah, you basically be made, honest you made my wife if i'm being honest that's totally what she does for me in real life but she she tolerates me in a way that she that angela she tolerates nash but the same I think that that stuff just lands on people and is meaningful regardless of what stage they're at in their familial life. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, if it's new to D and D, it shouldn't be. I feel like it's a thing that, you know, you can, you can hang, you can hang a lot of cool stuff on and create some real emotion. And I think it works beautifully. Yeah. Wonderful question, John? Said. <laughs> you did. I liked it. I was good. I didn't know if I was going to get anything out of it. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. John asked the question until just now again. Me. Yeah. Yep. The, the other aspect of the question too, is that just babies, Babies in particular, because the question was about babies. It's also the most disturbing aspect. You know, a baby arm is kind of gross, right? <laughs> <laughs> if it was just a regular it's arm, disturbing. it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be as gross. And when it comes to Nash, I gotta go gross or go home. Right. It also, yeah, everything's tinged a little bit weird. But again, it's because of people they can relate to it. And and if it's gross, it's because they already relate to how cute babies are. But oh my gosh, just an arm like that's weird. Like it's a great. It's a it's an awesome thing. We should not we should never shy away from that side of this. I think it's really good. Yeah, and this one's for you, Scott. What is Nash's favorite snack that is actually supposed to be licked? Um, <laughs> penis. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Sorry. Wow. Um, Sorry, you should beep that out. I don't no, know. Where we're that leaving came it. Are you kidding me? Funny Bo- bonus content. The B in bonus is not for beep. We're keeping it. Um, All right. I, I meant to say. I meant to say citrus fruit. Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> I don't know. This is a great question because he's never really eaten anything on the show that he was just like, oh, I'm very fond of this normal thing to lick. Um. <laughs> what did you get at the Demon Hotel? What did he eat there? Didn't we just have? I don't remember now. Well, we had the like whatever hotel? we wanted. Yeah, what did I eat? I feel like you got like a steak or something. <laughs> I think I did. Yeah, I'm a big <laughs> fan of red meat and not as as not mutated as possible in the world we're in. Like I like a good steaky thing from a big animal. That's my thing. So I'll say that. Awesome. I don't know if that's a snack okay. or a treat, but it'll do in a pinch. <laughs> All right, and now we're going into pretty much questions for everybody. So for the players, in a parallel world, you have started a new D&D podcast called Dungeons Will Be There. Same setting and character names, classes, and races, but you all are playing one of the other three characters. Which character are you playing in this alternate universe, and what changes have you made to their personalities or backstory to make the character more for you? Does anyone have like an easy answer for that? That's hard. I even read this one and thought about it, and now it's like it's at that point. I'm going to jump in first. I think I would go with Nash because that would be the most challenging. Uh, And I would, I've never really played a magic user, so that alone would just take years of research. Um, Personality wise, I'd want to get rid of the boils, the the, the skin cancer. <laughs> it's great. It's freaking amazing. But to play it myself, you know, maybe like a cool scar or something. <laughs> right. You don't want to be a hospital patient? No. You want to be a borderline zombie? Um, I mean, for me, I kind of, what's great about John's inverse deal is that um, 
I kind of got to do this. I got to play a thing I never play in oh. anything, be it video games or... In fact, I did a video about the art the other day, and I expressed this in there, that I don't usually play anything that isn't ranged or isn't magic or doesn't have a bow. or It's just the way I go for tabletop RPGs all the way up through my video game RPGs. It's just the way it's always been for me. And so to play a fighter with a very different attitude, with with all these sort of aggressive qualities that you would get out of a fighter type character is, has been so much freaking fun because I, and it was also a little scary because I didn't, I didn't know how, you know, how that was going to be. But in the context of that inverse campaign, he's, he is one of my favorite things I've ever gotten to do. I love playing that dude. So for me, I would probably, well, I mean, I've got a, I've said this on the show before. I have a backup character if Nash bites it. Um, who's all ready to roll and go. And he is a very interesting, not one of these two at all. He is a third thing that I think would be interesting. I don't know if we ever, we'll ever see him or not, but um, yeah, I, sorry to answer the question. I, I, I would probably do that with Nash just take him into a place he's never been before. Suddenly he's a cleric. Suddenly he's worried about healing people. Suddenly he's, you know, maybe just a whole different attitude than he has now. If you were going to, if you were going to make him opposite. So that's my answer. I'd probably go with Varel. I I think playing, playing the in your face melee barbarian, like rage and just, I'm just want to fight and get in there. And it's not about thinking about it tactically. It's about just engaging. Like that is so far from how I play, how I think, how I operate that it would be, it would be really fun to experiment. Um, my character would not be naked. That would be what I would change. <laughs> it, may, it makes perfect sense, but my character wouldn't be nude. Wow. Well, Varel's no longer nude. It has no, at least a poncho. For now. For now, for now yeah. <laughs> as soon as combat starts, Varel rips off all his clothes. Yeah, just rips, yeah. He ruins all the armor. <laughs> You're not a dragon? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm going to say it. Uh, I do wonder what it would like to be to have a optimized artillery in the party. Mm. And I do wonder in the hands of an experienced spellcaster how fights would go. So I would be curious to have Nash's powers. But <laughs> wizard think, or sorcerer though. I, I, I'm curious about I like wizard, but I like all the sorcerer stuff they've been doing. It's gotten complicated. That's a really hard starting class it is like trust me i i do not i do not envy your technicality yeah and i forget half the shit because in a a lot of ways he's still super new to me as you guys know so i'll run into stuff and go oh i can do that i didn't know i could do that i don't even remember reading that and i read all this stuff so it's like yeah this his complexity is daunting for some but i'm guessing in the right hands he's you know that kind of character is just a behemoth you know? I'm sure, and then you also have like that elemental adept thing on top of it. Like the amount of random crap you have to remember to play Nash just works so perfect for the character. So honestly, I think Hope is so badass. And to just do King Hope would be really like just my crown hunting for it. Like, Kristen, you have a badass character. And I would <laughs> love to be in your shoes. Thanks. you know because we're doing the mad max setting and we needed the road warrior so i worked really hard to create this silent protagonist of sorts 
Yeah. He just shows up, kicks ass sometimes. All right. And this is for everyone. Uh, how does having to do a show, podcast, Twitch, et cetera, change how you play the game? Do you act or think differently when you're playing in real unrecorded life? Oh, this yes. is such a great general <laughs> question. It, it applies, I think, to anything that you're live streaming. Because, okay, so this is a small answer, but we were just talking about this on FilmSack. The fact that we film, that we record FilmSack like it's 2007 and there are no live streams of anything is something we really want to keep that way. Because as it turns out, we are all very different when it's live versus when it's not. And when it's not, we get way more kind of, I don't know, organic stuff out of certain people. It just works really well for that four-person environment um, than it would if it was live. And I can tell the difference, even with some of the same hosts, the differences between live and not live. So I think that's just the way it is. Like, yes, the answer is yes. I think it's just different. I don't know if it's like drastically different, but we're aware of it. You know, we're thinking of things like, you know, Kyle's covering the side of the screen so that, so that uh, Kristen can take care of the baby. And I'm over here pushing buttons, making sure stuff transitions right and getting the right files done in the middle part. And when we go to break, I save the first half of the file. You know, there's like this production stuff you would normally not have to worry about. So for us, any or for I think for for me and anybody who has to do anything on screen, that's, you know, whatever. It's absolutely a difference. Like right now, we're just hanging out and talking. This is great. Nobody's watching us. If we totally effed up and said something like, I really like Nazis or something dumb like that. I could go, I could go delete it and not worry about it. Cause I could just fix it. So all of those anxieties are gone, you know? You yeah. Now everybody's going to think you, we say that all the time and you just go back and delete them. <laughs> oh, there you go. Anyway, I don't, maybe others have a better answer for that, but that's my sense after all these years of doing this is that that's that feeling I get is that it's definitely different. I do play another game uh, that I do through Skype, despite most of the people there actually living locally. Um, but we do we do play through Skype. And overall, I play it pretty much exactly the same that I play this. Some of the things I do for There Will Be Dungeons that I'm aware of for a show level is like, okay, I want to keep the pace going. I don't want it to come to my turn and just take forever trying to figure out what I do. So I have a tendency to do my roles uh, if I, as soon as I know what my turn is going to be, I'll do my rolls and have the numbers ready to go. So I'm not sitting there rolling like crazy or anything like that. I do that in that game, but I found if I play at a table locally, I don't do any of that. So that could be an online thing versus a in-person thing for me. Interesting. Bo, how about you? Do you do anything different DM wise? DM wise? No, I'm just a little more self-conscious mm. when, you know, I'm self-critical and, sure feel like could be better or whatever um <clears throat> so really it doesn't really change it's not different at all and it's most concerning when i'm a player because i tend well john can comment on what it's actually like to play with me but i feel <laughs> like i'm pretty manic <laughs> i'm all over an, the place Bo is an agent of chaos it is something yeah. to behold yeah i feel like sometimes it is not the most uh what's the word for it um flattering aspect of me i but, think you know, the best way I'm to describe fun. it is <laughs> is the the thing about Bo is uh he and i are kind of polar opposites as players and it, it, i think it's a fine thing and i think it's in a good way but i'll be in Bo's world and he'll be like all right you've encountered fish fart face mcgee and i'm just like 
okay, great, here we go. And he's like, they vomit bubbles on you. And you're like, all right, cool. And like, I just am like, I don't know what to do with this. So Stanley will go stand in a corner and kind of be a bit passive. Meanwhile, Bo, I'll put him in a in a serious place where people are going to react like human beings. And he's like, let's light the, the library on fire. And it's like, <laughs> why? And he's like, I don't know. We need attention. I'm the most important person in the library. Yeah. Um, exactly. So it's it's fun. Like, and that's what D&D yeah. is about. Plus, it's you fun. named him Batho Salts for a reason. He's named after bath salts, which makes people crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds, it's, it's intentionally sounds like bath salts, yeah. but it's not bath salts. It's great. I love playing with that little shit rabbit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is another one for everyone, I guess. If the inverse story were to end and you needed another story, another side story for off weeks, would you five consider doing a villain campaign where you all play the bad guys who have to fight the heroes. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, that yeah. would be freaking mm-hmm. amazing. Could you imagine if you were like these dark gods that came back to the world and just started breathing? Oh, wow. Hell? You jumped straight for dark gods. Well, yeah. oh, <laughs> I would love that. I, are you, so you, have you guys decided that you're not the bad guys in this world? I was yes. going to say, I think there's a case to be made that we are already doing this each week on There Will Be Dungeons. Yeah. Kristen we, doesn't seem to think so because she's like, yeah, we can definitely do an evil campaign. This is not we evil. Ca- <laughs> this could be taken further. Hope is restrained. This is oh my gosh. And to to go to the previous <laughs> question, I can show restraint when we're on a live show. Mm. Can we un? Oh yeah, you should answer that question because I seem to recall a lot of torturing, a lot of me having to role play people who've been savagely, you know. <laughs> Physically well, she's a queen uh, now. <laughs> tortured and what's what's not the word isn't molested I'm looking for, but like what happens mauled? when you cut up somebody's mauled, mauled and and maimed, viscated or something? Like, <laughs> maimed, I love the like, idea of you being a cop and entering the crime scene. Oh my god, someone's been viscated. <laughs> They've been molested. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like it's not like. It's not like, yeah, I killed them. Yeah, I hit them in the face to torture them or whatever. You're like, I stick my knife in one leg. I put my knife in the other leg. I lop off his genitalia and I ask him a question after. And I'm like, what does it feel like to be? How do I roll? You know, how would I make this convincing? I've never been this, you know, so. I like can, that I, this I, is I like restrained it. hope. I want to know. I kind of want to know what unrestrained hope is. Who today, literally today, saw a happily whistling ghost and was like, let's kill him. Yeah. <laughs> this is because every time we see some stranger, like, oh, they're probably nice. We should we should talk to them. And every time they betray us. Yeah. Every she's, she's right. freaking time. She's right. So, it's I'm, so, I'm, so hope is like. Yeah. She's so right. Hang on. She's right. Now that we, we've been playing this game for a while, and you've been playing with me and know my proclivities for a while, and we can discuss strategy. But like in this world, when you meet someone who looks nice, rather than just being nice to them, why don't you knock them out, <laughs> tie them up, <laughs> and use your insight check to interrogate them and then establish whether or not they're friendly? Like that in this world right now, if I meet somebody new, let's say I'm going on a first date, I'm not going to beat up the date. <laughs> And then interrogate them and then be like, okay, you're safe. But in the Mad Max world, that's how a first date's (laughs) got to go for both parties. Both parties should be doing that. Um, So you could, you know, by default, uh, assault someone, find out they're okay, and then leave them. Like, see, if this is John's world, that person's going to hold a grudge the whole time. In my world, maybe it won't be as bad. (laughs) So 
just some advice uh, yeah. for future interactions. It'll be like the librarian. Uh, that that's our thirty minutes. Well done. Good show today. Uh, I hope people enjoy these because I question. do. Oh, okay. Get yeah. it in. What do you got? We want we want to do one more. Oh, okay, oh, do one, one more. more. Okay, well, this one's for John. I'd be really curious sometime down the road or now to hear John talk about what that episode was like. Uh, and this is the inverse campaign from the DM's point of view, since I can't imagine any of that when anything like how you expected it to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can talk about it in depth at some point. We can get into it. But just for a quick answer to the question, it was completely different than as planned. They ended up fighting the people that were there to protect them in case I misbalanced encounters. Uh, they, I had, a, I knew I was going to put them in an annoying situation. I mean, that was the whole point of it. It was all based on what is a place Garpoon shouldn't be. And I came up with a library. <laughs> so I knew, and then I put a bunch of things I knew they'd find annoying in the way. But I didn't expect them to go in and try and burn down the library and physically threaten people who were actually trying to help them out. Um, and oh, I thought and, they were like, in my defense, I thought they were the secret bound cult who were pretending to be the librarians. But I was I was wrong. It was it was <laughs> interesting. Uh, there was a lot of course correcting throughout the episode. I did put in our Discord. Um, you can check it out. I put the show notes I used and then abandoned for the second episode because I just said, ah, screw it, we're in wing it territory and didn't do anything. Um, so I made just pretty much made the rest up at that point. But if you want to review and see what kind of roughly my plan was, it's in there and you can look through it. Nice. All right, then. We got a lot more all, already for next week. I just I just spammed the hell out of Kristen with a ton of messages. Oh, I've, these are great. They're ones I forgot I had, and I don't know why they were just sitting there. But there they are. So plenty of content upcoming on future bonus episodes. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for your support of our support system on the site. There will be dungeons.com for those who haven't yet. Please check it out, and we'll bring you more of these soon. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next month.